Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hey, everybody. Pastor Paul Carter here from Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia and the host of the Into the Word podcast. Delighted to be joined tonight uh, by some of my favorite pastors. I have uh, Pastor Paul Martin from Toronto, Ontario, Pastor Clint Humphrey from Calgary, Alberta, Pastor Stephen Bray from St. John's, Newfoundland, and Pastor Rick Baker from Oshawa, Ontario. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Great to have you with us. Great to be here. Great to be here. Well, uh, unless you're living under a rock, and probably even if you're under living under a rock, uh, you're well aware that we're living in a very unusual season. Uh, dare I say, I think it was Paul Martin who's, who threatened violence against me if, uh, if, or, or anyone who used the word unprecedented. Was that you? That was, was absolutely you. me. I'm going to do it anyway. It was a Zoom call, so oh. I think even, even with your long reach, I don't think you can get me. Uh, <laughs> these are unprecedented times, and uh, certainly unprecedented in our lifetime. Uh, the only frame of reference I can think of, obviously, would be the Spanish flu, and, and I doubt we have anyone alive in our congregation who can give us wisdom from that period. So a lot of us uh, are operating without a map. We feel uh, a little bit, one of the metaphors I heard this week that, that seemed apt is that we're running a marathon in the fog. And uh, we, we don't know how long this marathon is. Uh, it, it, it could be one more mile. It could be 10 more miles. It could be 20 more miles. Uh, we don't know. And obviously that's, that's part of the stress. Uh, people are talking about maybe there'll be a second wave. Other people are saying no. So again, that's part of the stress. And so with all the confusion and with all the wear and tear on, on the pastor's body, soul, and mind in this season, uh, we thought it would be very helpful uh, to, to get some pastors. I was going to say older pastors together, but uh, I, don't, I didn't want to offend anybody, but uh, some, some wise, mature pastors who could, who could chat a little bit and, and just share their heart uh, and share some of their wisdom, share what they're learning, some of the mistakes they've made, all that kind of stuff. That may be a benefit to others. So that's uh, that's sort of the idea. Uh, we've given this this episode, this this program, the title "Pastoring in a Pandemic," and uh, and so that's our focus. That's what we want to talk about. I want to start though, just based on the conversations that I've been having. In fact, uh, Paul Martin uh, and I had a had a, a great conversation that was helpful to me. Paul, I don't even know if you knew it, but just knowing that another pastor was feeling a lot of what I was feeling. Uh, w- was very helpful. And, and in fact, that conversation a few days ago was one of the motivations for putting this together. So my, my hope, my prayer is that uh, a pastor will watch this or listen to this and say, I feel better knowing that I'm not the only one feeling this way. This is a very unusual situation. And so we're hoping it'll be a blessing to the church and hoping that it'll be a blessing uh, to our fellows in ministry. So that's, that's our goal for tonight. I want to start kind of on the, the personal level. I'm curious to know how you're doing, how you're feeling. Uh, let me throw out a, a few questions and you can hit them in any order that you like. Here are the questions. What did you find stressful about this pandemic, this lockdown in the first two months? Because I feel like there were different stages to this marathon. I don't know if we're in the last stage or the middle stage, but I know we've been through a few stages. And there was the, the first two months when we were figuring all this out. What did you find stressful in that? Uh, what have you found stressful in the last four weeks? Because now uh, we're in a different season and there have been different stresses. Third question, how has the stress of this experience affected you in your body, in your mind, in, in your soul, in your behavior? 
Fourth question, what have you found helpful in terms of managing that stress? Fifth question, what are you mourning today that you've lost? Over the course of this pandemic, we've all lost things. And then last question in this little bunch of the series, what are you excited about? What are you hopeful for? What are you anticipating in terms of this phase that we've entered into, the reopening phase? So, uh, Clint, we'll start with you. We'll kind of move west to east on this one. Uh, you can hit any of those that you like. Get us started. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Paul. Um, obviously, it has been stressful. And, and the pastors that I talk to, you know, many of them have just been pretty wore down. I mean, I liken it to, uh, you know, I've chased a lot of cattle in my day, and it's kind of like gathering up the, all the cattle, and then you got one peels off and goes into the bush, and then another peels off, and you're trying to keep the herd together, and yet mm -hmm. things are happening and going in different directions. And, and that's kind of how this whole thing has gone. In the early days, we were all just trying to figure out what are we going to do if we can't meet as a church, and rapidly trying to learn how to use Zoom, how to, how to have online sermons if you weren't doing live stream before that, how to do them better. And yet, and then also all of this, this stress of how are we going to be faithfully pastoring our people when we can't see them, when we can't be with them. And uh, I found it extremely challenging. I think for many of the pastors, we all had to adapt to a direct kind of pastoral care instead of a delegated pastoral care where because the people couldn't see each other, then pastors had to be even more intently hands-on in reaching out, making phone calls, touching base with people to see how they were doing. And just that added burden, knowing that people weren't having the peer-to-peer -peer ministry, I think that was really taxing on pastors and elders in churches. And, and that's kind of what I've heard from other pastors and certainly what I felt myself. Um, I think in all of that, that stress as well, each of us has had to have uh, just just our, our brains been working overtime. Uh, we've had numerous things that we've had to think through. Uh, we've had to discern the medical information. We've had to discern the political information. And then we've have people in our churches that are anxious and stressed. And so, so there's kind of that counseling element you've got to think through. And then finally, then all our own biblical convictions, you know, what, what is the nature of the church? Can we have a, is it a local church? Is it truly a church when we're all Zooming and live streaming? Or, and so there's a lot of doctrinal things. And so the pastor then has had to do all this hardcore mental work, spiritually as well, but mental work. And I think that's left a lot of guys really tired. I know for myself, that's been the most fatiguing thing is just trying to stay ahead. And you, you have to think ahead a little bit and anticipate while you're responding to the crises of the yeah. moment. And so, yeah, so I think that's kind of the, you know, be kind of the, the big overarching fatigue factor from the stress of it all. It's certainly, uh, certainly for me. Your, uh, your description calls to mind the legend. I don't know if it's true, but that Spurgeon could think on 13 different levels simultaneously. Like we all talk about how when you're in the pulpit, you, you've got two or three levels of thinking. You're thinking about the sermon, what's next. You're reading the body language of the people. You're praying simultaneously. You know, Spurgeon was thinking on all these different levels. And the, the analogy that comes to mind is, is how fast your cell phone battery goes out when you've got 17 windows open. And, uh, and I think for the, for the average pastor, that's, that's the new reality. You're thinking about so many different things simultaneously, difficult, hard things. The battery is draining. Are you guys, are you, the rest of the panel, are you feeling, finding that as well? 
Yeah, and I would add to what Clint said. I think for myself, it's just been the uh, the future consideration. So very early on in the first couple of weeks was, you know, your own house, your own personal family. Are we going to be okay? Am I, is my house in order so that I'm going to be able to care for my family if things really go south? When it looks like and a, a whole economy is going to collapse, um, what are we going to do in the church? I have a lot of young people in the church, a lot of people early in careers, low on totem poles, probably the ones that are going to lose their jobs quickly. Are we financially prepared to start helping people eat and pay the rent? Um, and so it was that that future thinking and just trying to, okay, what could possibly come that we should be, you know, reverse engineering now so that we're well prepared in the future, which I found extremely exhausting. Yeah, I think for me, that was uh, another uh, facet of that was the staff, just just the, you know, the concerned about both them, our younger staff and and will will God continue to provide, you know, for them and and being able to maintain their lives and concerned about them, you know, you, you take very great responsibility for the people that God's entrusted to you who are their livelihoods are depending on, you know, how the church is functioning. That, that was very straining for sure. Mm-hmm. Until we realized God was amazingly providing and continues to. And I suspect that's sort of been a, an experience that you're all having, which was just shocking to be honest. Not, not that God provides because, <laughs> but to, to, but you know, we pray all the time. It's like Peter in prison and we're praying and he gets out of prison and we, we don't answer the door. It's kind of like, well, we, we think God provides. And then all of a sudden we realize, yeah, he actually really does in most unusual times. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think for me, it was just uh, adjusting so quickly. Um, and, you know, you were thrown into it. So for me and my personality, the beginnings of it was almost an adventure. It was a challenge. And I threw myself all in. And I just, I don't think I realized the toll it was going to take physically and mentally because it's turned into a few weeks to a few months, yeah. and there's still no end in sight. I also think in regards to shepherding, um, it has been very, very difficult. I think I think a lot of pastors, me included, maybe underestimated the effect this was going to have on everybody in the sense of everybody's bombarded with social media, so they are getting a million voices screaming at them constantly, and yet, and you're one of the voices trying to shepherd them. And comparison has gone up, you know, fear has gone up, everything has gone up. And I don't know, but the rest of everybody, I I just, I have felt the burden of that and have had to just really cry out to God to live in where I am and, and pray for and be focused on the people God's called me to shepherd and me to focus, um, things of that nature. So, you know, in regards to some of your questions, there's no other word I can give you. I'm exhausted. I'm just tired. Um, I'll sleep for eight hours and wake up and I'm still tired. My body aches. My mind aches. I love being in my my Bible and in prayer. And I've read more and prayed more than I probably have in a lot of years as a pastor and still find my, you know, my tolerance for things thin. Mm. So for me, I, I'm not a guy where rest does change is as good as a rest for me and my personality. So I've just done physical projects out in the backyard, uh, swung a hammer, lifted heavy things, done things. And that has been able to, you know, get some of those stresses out of the body. Um, but at the same time, I've watched God. We've had people join our church during this. 
We're going to do our first baby dedication through this in the sense of virtual baby dedication. I know that might uh, bug some of the guys on this panel about baby dedication. Uh, love to Martin on that one. Um, but um, we've, we've seen the, you know, Calvary Baptist Church, Mile One Mission is much more known in our province because of all of this that I don't think would ever have happened had this whole online stuff happened. But, you know, bottom line is I long for my church family. I long yeah. to look at them all, hear them sing to me, pray with them. I long to be around them. And we've had two virtual Zoom business meetings. We've had Zoom this, Zoom that. I'm Zoomed out. And, yeah, and I think a lot of people are. And I will tell you this, one last thing. We've counseled on all of the kind of catch. I don't know what it is, the gotcha culture. People are not as honest even doing this as when they're one-on-one -on -one in your office or you're in the mm -hmm. home. They do hold back. They don't really unpack all their emotions, all of what they're doing, because they do realize I'm on a computer. It can get hacked. It can be a lot of things can happen. And I've noticed that people just are not as forthright even when I'm trying to shepherd them. Hmm. So that's been a big learning curve for me. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, you mentioned the, the weariness factor, uh, which I think is exacerbated by the fact that we didn't know how long this was going to go. I, I remember... You know, I was down at a, uh, I, I had my kids with me at a play place the day, like one of those play gyms or whatever. I had I'd gone down, I had some writing to do, and I thought I'll park myself at this table, let the kids play on the day, basically, that Ontario was shut down. And in my mind, I thought, oh, okay, well, whatever, we'll, we'll go home. You know, we'll, it'll be uh, extended March break, probably another week on the other side of March break. That's what I was thinking. And, you know, and they'll get this sorted out. They'll get everything sanitized. We'll be back. But here we are four months in, right? And, and I, a pastor that I was talking to uh, last week uh, said something, or earlier this week, said something very interesting. He said, you know, he was speaking about himself. When I began this, I was running at a sprint pace. And uh, he, he said uh, about a month ago or whenever it was, his wife said to him, you're still running at a sprint pace. And this is a marathon with no end in sight. And, uh, and so he, he realized uh, that he needed to slow down. So I, I'd love to hear from you guys. Have you taken vacation? Have you have you missed vacation? Are you planning to take vacation? How's that working? And how are you caring for your body? Are you eating, exercising, Steve? You mentioned you're not sleeping. Uh, how are you? How are you going to make sure that uh, you're still going to be in ministry on Monday morning? I I know for myself, we were we were planning for the big vacation, the big family vacation in the U.S. And of yeah. course, then the travel ban came, so so that's out. And I was really looking forward to that vacation because yeah. uh, I needed it. And so not having that then, I mean, that marathon sprint analogy really fits because, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, was, I was sprinting before and now I had to switch into this long run. Uh, but I'm looking forward to as soon as we're, we're meeting and kind of setting up then to take some extended time with my family. But um, I, one of the things because of the shutdown, uh, my kids were home. And so we were, we were, you know, school at home, sort of homeschooling. And so they were taking online Zoom courses, uh, doing Mai Tai MMA. So I joined them for a little bit. And uh, so that was getting me in shape a little bit until I pulled my hamstring. So there you, you pulled go. pulled your hamstring on in playing Zoom martial arts. That's Zoom martial arts. And so that's it. You know, I made my attempt. I was trying to look after my body. And so I'm toast. That's awesome. That's the best story I've heard so far. 
Anyone else just want to comment on that? You know, how are you going to make sure you're still in ministry on Monday? Yeah, I think that's been uh, just one of the most difficult things. Like my whole schedule turned upside down. So I've been doing the same thing for 25 years. I study on the same days. I take the same day off. Uh, then that's all gone into upheaval because now you're preaching a sermon to a camera on a Friday to get it recorded so it can be proper to upload it on a Saturday. I didn't know what to do with my Saturdays and Sundays. It felt like there was no day off. Um, and then, uh, so, so that just took a while to figure out, uh, to readjust that rhythm. I felt like for the first two months, I was fighting against a physiological urge to just continue in the patterns that I have established in my life for 25 years. Yeah. So it was it was exhausting at that level. Uh, like Bray, I, I yeah I, I sleep a lot of hours and I don't seem to feel more awake. Uh, but I do exercise. I ride my bike. Wiped out on my bike a couple of days ago. That was awesome. Right over the front, chain broke. It was amazing. Right. Was this a, a virtual made, bike ride or an actual bike ride? Yeah, it was uh, on Zoom, and I fell into the screen. <laughs> <laughs> did virtual did virtual Clint give you a karate chop and mess you up? He did. He just reached out <laughs> one of those hamstrings and I, I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I we do what we can, right? I I just keep thinking about um it's this isn't persecution. No. Uh this is it's different than that. But I've read enough history to know that people have suffered through a lot of things that are a lot worse than this. And uh try to keep that in mind. And then I've I've just sailed a few days in, just said, guys, I'm taking the day off. I need a, I need a day to go take a really long bike ride and uh, just think about nothing. Yeah, this and, past and week on, at 4.30 on Friday, we had regulations come out from Simcoe Muskoka at 4.18. And I'm like, who plans a service at 4.18 on a Friday? Um, and, and, and so, I mean, it just threw our, our whole plan for the week in, you know, in the trash. And I was just at, at my wits end. So I, I literally sent an email to my, my guy saying, I got to go home, have a jog and a shower before I even think about what just happened. Don't ask me any questions right now. Cause you won't like the answer. <laughs> I, just went, <laughs> I went home, I jogged eight K I had a great shower and then I, I felt like a million bucks, but it, I, yeah, I, it's just so many times. It feels like multiple times in a week you get run over by a truck. Yeah. Was that a Zoom uh, jog or was it an actual jog? No, it was an actual jog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this yeah, was Rick, our... how about you? How, how are you making sure you're going to be in ministry on Monday? Well, first of all, I got to make sure that I'm married on Monday. This, this is our 40th. Yeah. This is our 40th anniversary. So I, I, we were definitely supposed to be on a major international trip by now. Yeah. So uh, I haven't taken care of anything. So I've got uh, I've got some some stuff ahead of me to take care of, but uh, you know, you don't feel like you can go away right now. No, and, I hear you. You know, Same. The church needs, uh, you know, it's already insecure. It needs some stability. So, but, but uh, I'm hoping to book off some time in, in August for three weeks, something like that. Yeah, get, you. get some, and the other thing is nothing's open. So it's kind of difficult. Yeah, that's to right. Vacation and where, where do you go or what do you do? You know, you can't even go to the East coast. They, they don't even want us out there. So, <laughs> So, uh, and we have the least amount of COVID in Canada, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, you don't it's an island. Bring our disease out east with us. So yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, one I last question it. before we leave this category. And, and I'd like to hear, um, this is sort of selfish. I'm, I'm curious to know uh, whether there's something wrong with me or, uh, or whether this is uh, pretty general. We can all agree to that. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> but 
I'd like to know how this has affected you in terms of your devotional disciplines. I, I personally, I found, so I, I am uh, like Paul, I'm a creature habit. I've been doing the RMM Bible reading plan. I wake up early. I do the RMM and that's my bread and butter. I have, I found uh, in this pandemic that my, my brain was frazzled. It was, it was like it, my brain was vibrating and my retention rate in my morning Bible readings was about 50% what it, what it normally would be. And so I found for myself that I, I am, I'm getting less out of my morning Bible reading. And so I've had to really discipline myself to do deep study. Uh, I find if I can get four or five times a week where I'm doing an hour's worth of like in-depth study on a Psalm or a chapter of the Bible, it takes me about 20 minutes to forget all my nervousness about the pandemic and to begin hearing from the Lord in the scriptures. Uh, and that's been a real change for me. Um, I, I've, I'm not getting what I used to, to get. I hate that phrase, but out of my morning Bible reading, I'm still doing it. Um, but it's taken me 20 minutes to decompress and to hear the word of the Lord. So it, for me right now, it's all about deep study. Any, any changes like that that you, you guys have identified in your devotional life? Yeah, for, for me, I, I'd say the same thing. You're, you're just so frazzled that going deep has helped. Uh, I've done these little chapel services and I've, I'm almost done preaching through Romans. So I was preparing a, a little mini sermon from Tuesday through Friday. And then I cut back to Tuesday through Thursday, but it's been the best thing. Even if nobody, nobody listens to it. I don't yeah. care. It's been really good for me because I've been able to go deep. Uh, you're not so deep as a full exposition, but it's just been great for my soul. And it's given me a bit of a tether in the midst of all this craziness just kind of kept me then pretty solid as well as I got my regular sermon on Sunday. But, uh, that's, that's been really helpful for my soul. So I would totally agree on that need for depth just yeah. to kind of hold you together. You know, it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'll uh, oh, go ahead, Paul. You jump oh, in there, Bray. All right. So I, I'm a bit like Clint, I, I, I've been reading and stuff, but, it's a weird juxtaposition because I probably read more of the Bible and more books in the last four months than I did in the last year, year and a half, just because of time. Yep. And yet, if you asked me to tell you what I read, uh, I would tell you a lot less than I would normally because yep. uh, I think of the headspace. But like Clint, I started doing a daily 30 minute thing um, and taking people slowly reading passages of scripture, studying through a book. And I really found that good for me. Uh, I would say the greatest thing that's happened for me over the last four months is my prayer life. I am an extrovert of extrovert. I know all the things I'm supposed to say as a pastor about prayer. This has made me pray hmm. and has slowed me down and made me cry out to God more consistently. Uh, cry out to God, but I'll be completely honest. I've cried out to God more over the last four months about me. Hmm. Um, as I've prayed for a lot of other people, to really pray about what's going on in my heart, in my mind, and talking to God as Father um, has been really, really good that way. But uh, so, you know, and then the only thing I'll, I'll say to that is, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but this four months, my wife basically lost her job in this. And so Debbie and I've had a wonderful four months hmm. and she is my helpmate in every way and is so wise and so loving. So she has been able to speak into my life far more over the last four months and directing me in regards to my own devotional life. 
um, that I am very grateful for. I mean, that has been a, a very precious gift in yeah. the midst of this for me. Right on. Paul Byrne? Yeah, I was, it's interesting you said that, Steve, because I, my own experience has been, um, I've, I've never felt like I know how to pray. I always feel like that's an area of my life that needs work. And probably in the year and a half leading up to the pandemic, I felt like I was finally beginning, whatever that intangible thing is by which we judge our own prayer life. I, I don't even really know how to do it, but yeah. I felt like I was finally making some strides. I was energized to pray. Uh, one of my first thoughts when the pandemic hit was, praise the Lord, this is going to be, I, I really thought this would just enliven my prayer life. And uh, it was the complete opposite. I, I have found prayer, uh, it, it's felt impossible at times. And uh, I've been very discouraged uh, on that bike ride uh, that I went on the other day. I'm just pleading with the Lord, teach me to pray again. I, I'm not sure why. So I think my time in the Word, kind of unlike you guys, I feel like that remained pretty steady and constant. But I really took a hit just in my personal prayer life, my prayers for the church. Uh, it's almost like I kept forgetting to pray. I've heard more of that than Steve's story. I was encouraged to hear Steve's story, too. I've heard other say people say they, they felt too distracted, too anxious to, to pray. I've heard that a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, do you want to jump in on that? Well, you know, what I, what, well, what I've discovered, which has been frustrating to me is um, with people sort of having changed their own uh, routines, um, you know, you get up, you pop up in the morning and there's, there's kind of an emergency already on your phone at six o'clock. So it's, yeah. it's, and, and I, I have not been able to resist the temptation to jump in and start fixing stuff and leading and all of that. And so, you know, what, what used to wait until you got to the church is now like you're on all the time. And yes. I had trouble finding that discipline back, which I always had first thing in the morning. Uh, and then, and then I get into stuff and then, so it's been a struggle to fight my way back to a routine because of everybody else's routines are different and they're just jumping in. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Let me, uh, let me transition into our second area of conversation. I'd love to talk to you guys a little bit about reopening. We're all in different stages. Uh, in the West, things opened up a little earlier than they did here in the center. Uh, the East, for whatever reason, is behind us on reopening, despite that it, it looks to me anyway, if I'm reading the numbers right, like you've had fewer cases than central Canada. So I'm not sure I understand that. But um, those of us in Ontario had a really interesting week. Uh, I, I said to somebody this week, nine times out of 10, maybe even 99 times out of 100, the early bird gets the worm just as a general principle. Uh, you know, and I pride myself on, on being early out of the gate, early bird. I mean, that, that's that's you know, my identity. This week, the early bird got run over by a truck. Uh, the, you know, rules, guidelines came out on, on Monday saying, you know, get together. It's going to be great. And then all throughout the week, uh, these additional guidelines and restrictions came out that threw every plan. I'm, I'm, I, I, I confess this as sin, but I make fun of pastors who plan their service on Saturday uh, those guys were making fun of me this week. Uh, reopening was was just uh, a mess for the type A personality. So I, I'd love to hear your experiences. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? What were you able to do? What were you not able to do? Where are you at in the process? Um, Paul, why don't we start with you? We'll start maybe further south, and we'll go from south to north. We'll have to figure out whether uh, Bray or Clint are further north. But anyway, we'll start with you. Yeah, so last Sunday was our first Sunday open. 
and similar to you, Paul, we were sort of waiting throughout the week for updates on things, when we would be able to do what and what we would be able to do. Um, we paid really close attention throughout the pandemic to how the government was operating. So we weren't as surprised. We were we were expecting that there would be a delay between announcements and uh, guidelines. We just had seen that in all the other sectors. So uh, we had sort of put together what we thought would be a worst case scenario and essentially what eventually came down. So we were well prepared. Um, we wrote our own protocol that was reflective of those guidelines. I preached a series on love, unity, and the conscience. Uh, uh, in God's providence, the, the Sunday we all went into lockdown, we did an online service. I, I was finishing the book of Job, and it seemed like a very timely place to be. And then I determined to go to this, uh, knowing that you know things are going to last a bit. Uh, we talk about unity, love, and Romans 14, matters of the conscience. So I feel like our church has been, we've been talking a lot about these things. When we get back together, will you judge the person who determines they want to wear a mask, the one who is not, that type of thing. So our people seem really just eager to be together, willing to do whatever for the sake of a weaker brother, that type of idea. So we met, uh, we had room for 139 based on the guidelines from the province. Uh, thankfully, only 62 people signed up because then we soon realized we could not fit the 139 in the space because of the physical distancing requirements. So we can maybe get 80 to 90 people in our in our facility. Uh, our plan uh, last week we um, this was interesting actually. Uh, I, I, now that I said that, I can't say it anyway. Uh, someone who happens to be tall uh, stood at the front and sang "It Is Well." And our people hummed. Now, to be clear, to since there are legal ramifications, that's Paul Martin, not Paul Carter. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the that turned out to be this beautiful thing where people hummed along in parts. Yeah. Um, we knew we could do that. Uh, I, I read the words of another hymn. Yeah. Uh, our whole service, we've got every, all the children's children, infants in. So we're keeping it short. We're in 45 minute land. Uh, mm everybody's wearing masks. Uh, we just said, we're all going to wear masks. And um, we didn't even congregate afterwards. We asked people to leave, get in their cars and go home because we rent a facility. Yeah. We want to be careful to the testimony of the neighbors. Churches are the only group in Ontario that can really meet in this size. So it's an yeah. oddity to see. And we want to be cautious about that. Good. Yeah, thanks. Rick, you're, you're probably next as we move uh, from south to north. Uh, tell us about your experience. Yeah, yeah, we jumped in right away as well. Uh, and like you, Paul, I mean, we had uh, we had plans in place. We were hoping for a forty percent or fifty percent opening, but uh, so we were disappointed with thirty. But happy in light of what it could have been. Yeah. Um, and you know, after we saw Alberta and that kind of thing. But yeah, we jumped in, and like Paul, we we discovered that the thirty percent uh, capacity turned out not to be thirty percent when you have the building size so um you know our experience was we could have had uh, 350 and we had 230 uh we went for registration and that kind of thing and and uh worked out very well i, I think the greatest thing was getting back seeing the people's enthusiasm and when we we did we did sing we sang and uh it was a very powerful and moving moment mm. and for me preaching it could have been two or three people sitting in front of me i've been looking at empty seats so long because we've been we decided that we would do 
uh, during the online time, we would do it from the church, from the platform to continue to give some semblance of similarity. Yeah. Um, so I've been preaching to an empty room and just looking at a camera with a red light for, for four months, you know, three months and just having people to engage with was pure delight. And, um, so it was, it was a real joy. I mean, it was, we, you know, we said, Hey, we can't do this perfect, but we weren't going to wait till we could do it. Well, we felt like we needed to get up and get the church walking again from its bed of exile and get going. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm next up the highway, but, uh, for us, uh, same experience, you know, we're, we're in the same provinces as, as, uh, you two brothers. Um, we were surprised on Friday at 4.18 p.m. We actually, Paul uh, Paul Martin, we planned our service with the Toronto guidelines because we figured since two-thirds of the cases are more in Toronto, there's no way Simcoe Muskoka will be more restrictive than Toronto. So we, we thought we were doing like a best, a worst-case scenario thing as well. So we, we used the Toronto protocols um, to plan our service. And then 4.18 on a Friday, Simcoe Muskoka put out uh, restrictions that were actually more restrictive than than Toronto, so we had planned to have music, live music, and uh, and we had to get the team together quickly and and pre-record because they that's what they asked for. They asked for recorded music and that we discourage people from singing along. My wife came home and immediately confessed her sin uh, that at several points in the service she had she had accidentally found herself singing. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we went with the recorded music. We used Eventbrite to um, pre-register people. And then we left, we left about 18, you know, sort of Holy Spirit invitee spots available. And um, we were glad we did. We only had, I think we had one or, I know one for sure, person saw us online, noticed that there were people in the building and immediately raced uh, to the church to be a part of the live gathering. So we, we were glad that we did that. We also, uh, like, like those who've gone before, we did not use our full uh, permissible capacity. Um, we, we just have a lot of folks who are still a little fearful, some folks with underlying health conditions. And, uh, so I was initially, I don't know if I would use the word surprised, humanly disappointed, but very thankful for those who came. And we had a, it was, it was bomb for the soul. Like, like you, Rick, I was tired of preaching to the cameraman. Um, you know, our, our cameraman, Thomas is already converted. So I, I want to see somebody crumbling under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, it just, yeah, I'm, I'm eager for that, for that dynamic for sure. Yeah. So it was a good day. It was complicated. It was a marathon getting there, but uh, it was a blessed day. Wh who's further North between you two brothers? Would it, would it be Clint or? or would... I would say Newfoundland is probably fairly North. <laughs> You're further North as Santa, aren't you? All right. So Clint, you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we did it a little bit different. And so ironically, Alberta opened up sooner. And so we had max 50%, 50 people capacity for a while. Yeah. And then just last Friday, then they took the cap off. But even before that, we had made the decision after surveying our people that we just thought there was, you know, we were maybe 50 50 of people who would even come mm. with all of the restrictions. And we just said, okay, let's just, let's just slow down. We're, I was a little concerned with our unity, even unity at the elder level and unity mm -hmm. in the church. And so we just thought if we just hold off and wait, even it just seems to change week by week, that even waiting a few weeks, it actually might 
we ha might have more people with buy-in, everybody's a little bit more comfortable. So we had already planned to have our first real open public services on the 21st, so this coming Sunday. But then they lifted the cap. So now we have the opportunity then to have, you know, the, the, as many people are, as many who will come, come to the church. I mean, we've got to put them into multiple services because it's all social distanced, just like as you guys are seeing. But, but still, like, we're, we're really excited about uh, the, even the change from the earlier survey in our church to the numbers of people that are planning to come. They just seem they're a lot more open and ready to come. The fear is gone. And um, so, yeah, so we, we took the path of kind of waiting and then kind of going big when the, when the regulations allowed to do more. So that's kind of how we're going about it. How about you, Brian? Well, I guess, as you mentioned earlier, Paul, we're, we're the, we actually just today was announced. We have no COVID at all. Wow, as the last case is recovered, there is no coronavirus known in Newfoundland and Labrador, but it will not be until a week from today that they announce uh, that we will go to level two, which will allow churches to open. And we're still awaiting what wow. restrictions and requirements will be. And unlike you brothers, it represents a whole new set of issues for us because we don't own a physical building. We rent. Yeah. Um, so we've got to work and it's another church. So we got to work with them. They're, they're an older congregation. Um, we got to work with their insurance company, our insurance company. Then, you know, are we, are, we're a young church. We have a lot of children, a lot of young families. And the yeah. initial things are, you're not allowed to do children's ministry and stuff like that. So how do we bring all these families together and tell kids you can't go say hello to the friend you haven't seen in four months that you yeah. did life yeah. with. Um, and again, we're waiting on the whole singing thing. And of course, as you know, in our culture, man, Newfoundlanders sing like they breathe. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a part of who we are. And I probably have gotten more feedback from our congregation about tell me we're going to sing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just right now I have an elders meeting at six 30 tomorrow morning. Um, we're at the whole meeting. will be dedicated largely to, prayer, what are we going to do, how are we going to do it, um, and all those types of things. We're praying and hoping that our government officials will reach out to us. Um, but yeah, so it's a weird dichotomy because we we have the least amount of this, but it's and it surprised me in our culture because Newfoundlanders typically are very brazen, almost, you know, um, hey, come what may, we're going to give this a go. But there's been a lot of cautiousness yeah. in the, not just Newfoundland, Atlantic Canada, Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island has never had a case of COVID go into their major hospital, not one case. Wow. And only yesterday did the health minister meet with pastors and people of faith to discuss what opening up church would be like. Um, yeah. Nova Scotia actually beat the gun. Who's had the greatest amount of COVID? Um, my father, who's a, still a pastor well into his 70s, is able to have church this Sunday um, because yeah. Nova Scotia has been much quicker to just they went from lockdown to, okay, let everybody go. But um, so this is still a journey. So it's very interesting to listen to what you guys are talking about. Um, we're trying to navigate all that too, because it means moving sound systems and there's just so many variables yeah. and I'm just trying to figure out what's the best for our church. Let's do a little rapid fire here. Uh, just one word answers uh, from, from everybody, uh, or you can say NA if you haven't had the chance to meet, but uh, just yes or no for most of you. Uh, singing or no singing in your in your open up in your opening Sunday, just around the horn. Singing, no singing. So no singing. one yes, one no. Clint, oh, yeah. 
singing. I'll, I'll get killed if we don't sing. Okay, so two yeses, two noes. We we didn't. Uh, Simcoe Muskoka came down pretty hard on that one. Okay, yes or noes. Uh, masks or no no masks. Optional. Okay, optional. so we've got an optional. 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 Yeah. And optional. Paul Martin, you were a yes, and Steve Bray. As the spirit leads, yeah, optional. Yeah, yeah, they were strongly recommended by Simcoe Muskoka, so so we we required them. Uh, and then CM or no CM? By CM, I mean children's ministry. No. No, 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 Stephen. Oh, no. you don't know. Yeah, and we and we were no because we were told no. Yeah. So and you know the 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 CM is a huge factor in the percentages we're seeing in return, right? Like all of us mentioned that because if you know if a lot of moms and dads, if if uh, there's no CM, you know it's a, it's a trick for them uh, being there. We had some families come with all their kids, and and uh, it was marvelous, and they. Uh, they did a great job uh, with them. And some some parents, I think, are prepared for that and okay with that. I think we would all say that, right? And then maybe others would look at that and, and uh, be terrified of the prospect and just be concerned that the kids wouldn't be able to manage it. So that's an individual decision for sure. Uh, all right. I, I want to move uh, now into our third conversation, which is a bit more of a tradecraft uh, conversation. I, I am fascinated. I'd love to hear from you guys. I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm interested in how your preaching has changed or been affected uh, by this pandemic. So we, we've already talked about the dynamic of preaching to a camera. So here are my questions. I'll throw them out. You can answer them however you like. First question is this. Did you immediately change into a new series when we went down on lockdown in you know, mid-March? Uh, did, you, did you do a COVID series? Um, or did you just stick with what you're doing? That's, that's kind of my first question. Second question, what changes did you make when you went from live preaching to recording preaching or, or preaching to a congregation versus preaching to a camera? And then if, if you have already made the switch back from recording to live, uh, what did you notice? Uh, what did you change in, in that? And then fourth question, just a, a big picture question. What have you learned about preaching over the course of, of this tumultuous season? Uh, we'll do this one east to west. Brother Stephen, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so we, our last service that we were able to have together was March the 15th, and we had, I, I'm, I was preaching through the Gospel of John as my, my uh, preaching series, but we had made the decision to actually do a series leading into Easter on the seven statements of the cross. Right. Um, so that happened, and we just continued with that and brought that right into Easter seemed to go really, really well. It was very powerful. I, in fact, I felt it was very timely in what we were going through. Um, then after Easter, I simply went back uh, to John. I went back to what we were dealing with and uh, have, have done that. Um, I guess for me, my personality, preaching to a camera, I, I really didn't find that difficult. Um, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I just pretended, I guess, in some respects, um, knew that there was people out there listening and watching. Here's what I will tell you, the biggest adjustment I had to make. I, I do. You talked about it. I'm one of those guys. I can have about 10 conversations going on while I'm preaching to an audience. And you, I missed the absolute deafening silence of this room I was in with that green dot and no idea, you know, when, when, when the passage was gripping me and I was just giving it my all yeah. and there was no faces to look into. There was no sign. And I was, I, I remember even preaching and saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, I, I believe someone out there is getting this. And I'd have to wait till I got home on my drive home. Because uh, like Rick, we, we decided to do a, a live stream and we did our things live. 
and it would be driving home that I'd start to get texts or, you know, Facebook messages from congregation people saying, Hey, pastor, I just want, you to know, this spoke to me, that spoke to me. And, and I would, I would go home. The one thing I will tell you, I went home more tired. I, I go home more tired from this than I ever have from a live service. Yeah. Um, so, so I think the biggest thing I'm longing for is to be able to preach to a live audience, to look into faces and eyes and see human beings respond. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, you're, you're next uh, in the East to West movement. How about you? Yeah, I really didn't change anything. Didn't change the series. Uh, we were finishing up the gospel of Mark, but we always make a transition into summer at the end of April. So that was going to be a transition anyway. And so I went to a new series in first and second Peter, which I did pick kind of COVID ish yeah. because it's suffering and heart. It's, you know, it's called hope in hard times. And so we went into that series. Um, but we tried to, we tried to preach. Uh, I tried to preach the same way, looking at the camera, um, didn't change to a different venue or anything like that. Um, and Steve and I, we, we tried live stream, but then we went to taping because it just, we just needed to organize better. So it wasn't actually live after that. I think the biggest thing for me was I've never really listened to myself preach very much except for this last four months. And I'm shocked that everybody comes back on Sunday because, uh, just, it's, it's just, uh, been kind of, uh, agonizing listening to myself all the time so that's been probably the biggest education is is learning something about myself but the feedback when i got back just as steven's talking about to have those people there changed everything i only probably got two-thirds of my sermon done on the first week back because of just people their reactions you think yeah. of things to say you're, you're engaging more relationally and you're preaching um did you over engage one one of the things i know i went home and watched my first sermon to live people i was over engaging i was like Every, after every sentence, I was I was like feedback fishing, like yeah. I was saying, right? Are you feeling me? Do you are you feeling that? And I, was yeah. like, I, I watched that. I said, I'm going to put on the top of my manuscript this Sunday, no ending sentences with the word right or do you feel me? That's not something you say. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, sales, the salesman tie downs. Well, I said to them, you know, I've been watching you guys give me thumbs up and hearts for like weeks and now you come back live and you're sitting there and you're not saying anything. I need some feedback. So yeah. Oh, my people were over responding and it threw me for a loop. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah, that's sort of my, my take on it, Paul. How about you, Paul Martin? Yeah. So as I said, I was, uh, the first week was just kind of a typical service. Uh, we just took some things out of the service. We just ecclesiologically, we were, uh, we felt like, um, we were going to produce what we call the chapel service. We wanted to distinguish what we were doing online from what we would typically do. Um, and so that shortened our service. And then as we moved through the months, I would say my preaching got shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. um, just trying to understand what it was like for people to sit at a screen is a different experience than being in a room for our, our services are, you know, an hour and a half, an hour, and 45 minutes long. We sing a lot. Um, I, I preach a lot sometimes we pray a lot so we just realized that yeah, when, when once you're doing this screen thing like we we understand the the zoom fatigue and i think there's something similar to people watching services as well yeah so we made those adjustments uh now that we won't this will be our second sunday back and like i said earlier to try and accommodate families with little kids um and just some for some other reasons we're going to keep things pretty short for a while uh, which is very unlike us, but we're grateful we can be together and we want to make that as accessible to as many as we can. Yeah. I guess I'm next on the East West. Uh, 
I noticed, I think it was Rick mentioned uh, Sermon. Oh, no, Paul, you said Sermon got shorter and shorter. That was one of the first things I noticed. I, I, I'm a manuscript writer, but then I, I mostly write the manuscript to help out the PowerPoint people and to organize my thoughts and make sure it's coherent. But when I preach to a live room, I don't look at it that much. And, and so there's, there's not a great deal of relationship between what I say and what's on the paper. And, and so I had this that must relationship. That be really nice my, for your PowerPoint people. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it, 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 there's a ratio in my mind between word count and typical length. And so the first couple of Sundays, I wrote the same word count and was done in 30 minutes. And people were like, what's wrong? And I realized there's no interaction. Like when I look out, when I look out at the congregation, if, if I see furrowed brows, I realize they didn't get that. I need to go over that again, or I need to insert a story, or I need to illustrate that. Uh, or if I say something that, that should have created furrowed brows and people missed it, I repeat it louder with thumping and gesticulation. Uh, but when there's no feedback, you just say your thing and then you're done. Uh, so my sermons were, were shorter. And then I actually kind of realized probably they should be shorter anyway, because, um, you know, like you said, zoom fatigue. So I noticed that, uh, I, I noticed, like Steven said, I went home exhausted and I think I figured it out after about the eighth week, which shows you how bright I am. It took about eight weeks. I think it's always that tiring. The difference is you get energy feedback on the way out the door on most Sundays where all these people say, oh, that really helped me or can I, or the Holy Spirit convicted me. Can we pray over that? And you go home feeling like it is a pleasure to serve the Lord. After I preached a bunch of people would say, well, how did it go? And I said, I have no idea. I preached to Thomas, the cameraman. He didn't show any reaction at all. He's already saved. I have no idea how it went. And, and you just went home wondering like, is this preaching thing work? Like, is this even a thing? Uh, so I, I found, I found that a, a, a bit of a struggle for sure. And, and then you just, you kind of have to talk yourself out of that and, and say, nope, the word of God works. And maybe it's a blessing that you don't see it. Uh, one of the things I learned about myself, I didn't know is that I'm addicted to gratitude. Our church is a very thankful church. And there's usually 80 people who say thank you on a typical Sunday. And I find that overwhelming and, and I even try to discourage that. But when you, when you don't have that, I, I realized about halfway through this pandemic, I am sinfully addicted to gratitude. And uh, I actually found that to be a very helpful insight. That's, you know, it's, it's something I need to repent of. How about yourself, Clint? Yeah. I, the, the shortening that everybody said, I think that's, that's certainly been good for me. Um, that manuscript bit that you said, Carter, there, there's something about that where having to be careful about the manuscript because, yeah, you needed to be concise. You, you didn't have that live dynamic. Uh, so I'm hoping that it maybe caused me to just organize my thoughts better and actually maybe preach better. I'm not sure. My wife thought I was, you know, maybe preaching at times better. Um, so that's good. I had the benefit that I, I brought all the, used my computer and did all the live stream at home. So mm -hmm. I wasn't at the church. I did it all at home. It was low tech, but then I had my family there. So I always did have some people hmm. and it made all the difference for me, even if it's my kids and they hear me all the time and, you know, they're just kind of dozing <laughs> off, but, but, it, but at least I had a little bit of dynamic. And when I, I would sing, uh, my wife would sing with me on the live stream. So we had our music team and, uh, you know, so, so there was a sweetness to that, yeah. uh, but it was still not the same as all of those saints, you know, to be able to see them and have that 
interaction and just like you guys said, just that dynamic of, of seeing what's going on. But I'm hoping that maybe being a little bit more concise, being a little bit better organized, just growing as a preacher, that coming out of this, um, I'm hoping it'll just help improve my overall ministry. So, um, but yeah, very similar to all you guys. Did anybody have any any kind of brainwaves or, or or insights that they want to share with other preachers that they learned about preaching as we as we did this back and forth? And uh, sometimes when you do something in a completely different way, you learn something, right? Like the, the old expression, don't ask a fish to describe water. It's all he knows, right? You spend a couple of weeks in the air instead of the water, and you've got some new thoughts on water. Um, anybody have any new thoughts on preaching? I just think Rick brought it up. I, I, I'm like him because we'd never live streamed before. The, the most we ever did was record our service. So like Rick, looking at myself, I discovered a lot of, you know, phrases I repeat over and over again, mannerisms with my hands, little ticks and things that I, I just was like, I can't believe I do that over and over again. It just kind of helped me understand a little bit more about myself. Um, I, you know, we, we run, you know, I've got Calvary Baptist, but then we have this model one mission. So we've got a church planner intern. We've got interns. I've given them all an opportunity to, to preach the, because we've done all this. I've had a, a ready-made kind of workshop. So my Mondays were always decompressing as we rewatched everything and went over everything, which was actually a, a blessing of the pandemic. So I think, you know, it, it really created a school of preaching. Hmm. Um, that we could really analyze that together and look at the things we did right and we did wrong. For instance, one of my young guys, because uh, I don't know about you guys, but one of my young guys actually preached better in a room at a camera. He was much more relaxed, nowhere near as hmm. nervous. It was much more a real version of him. And the feedback from our congregation was overwhelming. Um, and so we're trying now to ha- help him like take that comfortableness and bring it into a live setting. Like, like the horse blinders. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and again, I I do think, listen to all you guys, I think we have to understand too, um, culture and, and expression for me in Newfoundland, we, we live stream, our services actually look very largely similar and our eyeball rate buy-in has been consistent all 14 weeks. Um, But our people are also very, uh, ri- driven by tradition and what they do and how they gather and how they think, see things. And they rallied around. For me, our church, I think, rallied around our pastor and our music team, however small or big it was allowed to be, are getting up, they're going there, they're sanitizing their hands, they're doing all this, and they're showing up and getting on that screen to talk to us. We will tune in. Hmm. And that was probably a great encouragement to me because I was expecting to slide off watching the live eyeballs go down and our people were very interactive on social media greeting little clapping hand emojis I get lots of pictures of families gathered in their living rooms kids going up one time I was preaching and I was kind of sad and some kid walked up with his teddy bear to the screen and thought pastor Steve needed a hug um so little little blessings like that were great but uh, I was like Rick I just discovered a lot of nuance about myself yeah, good. Anyone else want to jump into that? Any any brilliant insights on, or they don't have to be brilliant, but any useful ins, insights on preaching? I don't know if it's brilliant, Paul, uh, but I do think that being forced to go shorter reminded me that uh, simplicity in preaching is a huge benefit. Yeah, and I don't. It's always been a struggle for me, feeling like I got to say everything about everything, and the reality is the human mind can't even capture all of that data. So just learning to be simple. Uh, to apply a lot, to illustrate a lot in a short amount of time, 
uh, was was just good for me. Okay, great. Anyone else? All right. Well, let's uh, let's move into our next topic. Uh, this is you know kind of a forward thinking topic, uh, maybe a little more subjective. Uh, we've been talking a lot about our experience as pastors, and I think that's that's useful. Uh, you know, like I said, Paul, um, one of the motivations for doing this was just actually how much I appreciated our interaction whenever that was, Saturday or whatever it was. I just thought, man, I need to be talking to other senior pastors because I was feeling like I, there was about a, a 40 minute window on Friday afternoon where I wondered, is this what a nervous breakdown is like, or am I just agitated? Uh, and then, like I said, you know, a good, a good jog and a shower. And I thought, no, I, I think you're just tired and agitated. And then talking to you on Saturday morning, I was like, oh, Paul's feeling like this too. So, uh, I just felt like that was useful. And, and so I, I hope this has been useful for, for us to just talk about being pastors in a pandemic. Uh, but, but for a moment now, I just want to lift our perspectives a little bit, stop talking about each other and ourselves and, and, and maybe think about what God is is doing and all this. So just maybe having a bit of a God conversation instead of a pastor conversation. I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that God sent this pandemic to fix the evangelical church in North America. Um, but I'm also saying that God is so wise and so marvelous and, and so brilliant that uh, he could have 17 or 18 uh, purposes ahead of that one, but, but also use and tune this pandemic such that it speaks usefully into what is broken in the evangelical church. So, uh, so I, I just believe whatever other purposes there may be, I am convinced that God has been speaking to us. Uh, I, I have my feeling. Obviously, we want to be uh, humble and cautious here. None of us knows the mind of the Lord. Um, but I just want to hear from you. What are you thinking about the purposes and the whispering of God in, in this pandemic? And, and for this one, why don't we, I was going to do it on tenure. And then I found out actually Paul Martin is, has been uh, at his church slightly longer than Rick has been at his. So uh, we'll just do it on the on, on reverse order based on wisdom demonstrated in sports allegiances. Uh, and that'll only work for those who are watching live. But anyway, Rick, we're going to start with you for one reason or another. Well done, Paul. Well done, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll work backwards a little bit. I, th I think. Perhaps God has, has taught us some things about the fact that, um, you know, our, our hard assets are vulnerable, our methods are vulnerable, uh, and that's probably a good thing that uh, we need to recognize now that we, we have to gather, but what if we can't gather big anymore? And, yeah. and we learned some lessons about that. Um, you know, what if this is actually like a, an entirely social a social paradigm shift, like a really big one. And um, to think about uh, sort of men and their responsibilities as, as disciplers of their family, this sort of, you know, pushed us out of, out of our group and, and into the responsibility of dad as the priest of the house. Mm -hmm. And are we ready for that? And are we prepared for that? You know, are we prepared for what could be worse even, you know? Um, and I think this might've been a dress rehearsal for that kind of thing. So I think he's, he sort of showed us some things like that. Um, I, I think, I think we have to be facing the fact that, uh, now this is a little bit more about the, in the, under the challenge rubric. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think there's an insecurity challenges for pastors are going to be insecurity. Just what's the government going to do next. They seem to be 
They seem to be committed in a very unusual way to hound this disease down to 100% safe when TB and other diseases are floating around and have been killing a million and a half people a year and we don't shut down economies. So, so somebody's saying something and, and uh, you know, we, we need to pay attention to that. I think, I think we need to be concerned about disunity. There's been a lot of things happen in four months uh, beat that, that's going on in our congregation, friend to friend, family to family. I think we're going to face our, as we come back together, we're going to face some, some real big repair work that we need to do. And maybe it's given us an insight into how fragile our unity really is mm -hmm. uh, with each other. And then I think also vitality of the ministry itself. Um, I think all of us are, should be thinking about the fact we might be replanting. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly thinking that way at, at our church that, you know, we've seen, uh, Stephen is right. People have hung in with us. It's been amazing. But, but I, I've seen a drop off in what may be margins of marginal people or nominal people who are maybe evaporated into thin air, I don't know. So I think, I think we're going to need to replant our churches, um, and we need to be thinking about that. And then the ongoing online expectations, now that we've all jumped online, if we weren't there already, um, you know, we have an opportunity to get into some space that we never were in before. And I think God has sort of forced our hand on that. So there's a lot of lonely people out there who are, their whole deal is social media, entertainment, whatever. And the yeah. church has been able to grab some space time there. And maybe we have an opportunity going forward to, to really um, take advantage of, of some lonely space that we couldn't get into before. Those are some of the things that I think, uh, you know, we're leaner and keener. I think we're going to have more of a consciousness of, of the urgency of the gospel and salvation because these things can turn fast on you and, and people can die quickly. So those are some of the things I've been thinking about that God's been sort of ministering in my heart and vision wise, Paul. Thanks. Anyone else want to jump in on that? We can, I'd love to hear from all of you on that. Just, uh, this has been a great time for thinking, you know, I, I, I love the phrase that you use there, Rick, of, of a dress rehearsal. Uh, I've used that phrase many times. I, I am convinced this is not a, you know, civilization ending event. Um, but it has been a great wake up call for a church that has been very peaceful, very prosperous, and largely undisturbed for a very long time. Uh, maybe God was just rattling our cage to, to get us thinking. Um, and so, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. What, what, what thoughts are you thinking on the other side of that shake? I'm grateful for what both you guys just said. Uh, uh, one thing that I've been trying to think through, um, you know, the older saints had a place in their liturgies and in their worship for uh, solemn humiliations, uh, the, the kind of stopping to acknowledge that this providential event is under the hand of God, and therefore we ought to stop what we're doing and pay attention to him. And it struck me that we don't really have a place for that, at least not in broader evangelicalism. I don't know, even in our local churches, if we uh, have that kind of real estate where we want to really ask God, like, maybe you're really unhappy with us. Uh, he was certainly unhappy with the seven churches in the Revelation who were doing a lot of busy things, a lot of I mean, good things. The God of the Bible, every once in a while, says, I hate, I despise your gatherings. Like, right. We'd be weird if we didn't ask, is that, is that a thing? Is that a part of this? Right. And I, I don't hear a ton of people asking that. So that, that's, that's a question I want to put out there. It's a question I want my elders to be thinking about um, and, and again, we're doing that very cautiously as people who acknowledge that 
uh, God is sovereign. You know, he's the interpreter of his own providence. Unless he directly reveals something to us, um, we're not going to claim that we have, you know, direct line to heaven that tells us exactly why things are happening. But I think at least we should humble ourselves before the Lord and under his word and uh, seek to um, make sure that part of his purpose in this was uh, was not to alert us to our uh, our confidence in ourselves, our lack of prayerfulness, our uh, the things Rick listed. Uh, I just think there could be very many things. And so that's one. Yeah. I'm trying to keep it short, Carter, so that I stopped. Oh, it's good. Thanks, man. I, I think that uh, if there's there's a biblical picture that's been in my mind has been John 15, the vine and the branches. And, and just this idea that the Lord is putting us through a great pruning. And, and the, the comfort of pruning is that that means that you were fruitful and there is the promise you will be fruitful again. And I think we have to have that hopefulness going forward of the, the prospect of the Lord bearing fruit through our lives um, even, even in revival, like, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful if out of all of this, um, when the restrictions are lifted, that we actually don't have the capacity, even when we're crunched up against each other, because there's people beating down our doors, wanting to hear God's word. So I think, I think that's a, a prospect we need to have. And I think that's what the Lord would maybe have us to learn. But in the midst of it, this is a pruning, and, and of course, in the, when there's a pruning, it involves suffering and hardship, and it also clears away the deadwood. And so what Martin said about, you know, this, this kind of prospect of this humiliation, this humbling of oneself, um, just re reassessing, reevaluating, again, Rick's list that he just kind of went through, all of those things are certainly what we need to be doing. I know when this first hit, uh, my elders and I, we, we took a day of, of prayer and fasting and we just, because we just thought we need to slow ourselves down into all the craziness, just slow ourselves down and really seek the Lord for the good of the church um, and to humble ourselves and to consider it in that way. Um, but I think going forward, if people just go right back to glitzy ministry uh, big box approach, uh, you know, uh, high visibility and lots of lots of razzle dazzle. Then I think we won't have learned the lessons that we should be learning from the Lord during all this. Funny, Paul, you and I uh, made a video together a couple of years ago, and we used this term "networked and nimble." And yeah. uh, I think for me, it's been some affirmation of that as we've walked through this. Let me just say this: I, I think for me. John Piper at the simulcast of T4G said that just something that stuck with me ever since he said it um, was that he honestly believed young in his life that if he showed up every week and preached from the Bible, that God would make people want to show up every week and hear it again. And I think in all of this, it's just really um, that that's just stuck with me. Like, Steve, do you believe in the sufficiency of the word of God yeah. over pandemics, over government approval, cultural, whatever? We've had a, a pretty gracious run of God with kind of cultural acceptance here in North America. And we may finally face some of the uncomfortableness that our brothers and sisters in other countries have faced for a long time and learn the sweet joy of suffering. Um, secondly, I've been preaching through the, go the Gospel of John, been spending four weeks now just in chapter 11. 
And this pandemic has, along with what Martin was talking about, I've talked about death more hmm. in the last four months than I probably did in four years. Um, I've made it a habit to remind our congregation of the amount of COVID cases around the world, how COVID cases in Canada, how many people have died, but I've expanded that to how many people have died of starvation, AIDS, all the, just, it's been, people are listening to the idea, death is real and you can't hide it and sugarcoat it. And we've buried our head in the deafening sounds of entertainment, video games and eating out and all these things. This has made us realize that life is frail. My one caution of what you said, we've all gone online and here's what I will say about where I think God may be working with the church. We have been able to hide in our churches and largely say what we want. We've all gotten online. And now, like this thing here going out, there is a record now for a lot of pastors of what they believe and what they preach. And it is both a blessing and ammunition for Satan to use now. Pastors won't be able to run and hide because they'll be able to show a bunch of services preaching and say, do you really believe this? And we're going to have to figure out do we or don't we? Uh, but on the, on the end of that, I would say this. I've learned in my culture is it is becoming very obvious to the culture at large, as we've navigated this in Newfoundland, who opens the Bible and preaches it and believe that it's God's word from Genesis to Revelation, and who is looking to be culturally relevant and chicken soup for the soul. And the contrast of that has never been in my lifetime so stark and so that is both a challenge and a blessing hmm. that's well said yeah well for myself I, I spent a lot of time thinking about uh what god is saying to us uh as as a church and and like you said i think paul obviously none of us knows the mind of god we, we got to be real careful here and um but it's but it's good to think about right i think i think it's good you know to sit you know, we talk a lot about Job's knucklehead friends and, and and all the bad advice they gave, but but it's good that they came and sat and thought thought, thought big thoughts with Job when he was suffering. I, th I think we're supposed to. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, it, it all comes together when when God shows up and speaks and interprets the event. But it does get us thinking, and suffering gets us thinking. I, I have found refuge in the Psalms. Uh, you know, going back to the preaching discussion. We, uh, we were in Daniel, actually, uh, of all things, when the pandemic hit, and we just carried on. We just we finished out Daniel. We got to Easter. That was our plan. Um, and then after Easter, we were going to do something different, and that's the part we bumped, and, and we did our, you know, a, a pandemic series in the middle of the pandemic. We did a series on the, on the Psalms. We called it Refuge, Eternal Truths for Troubled Times. And, and I'll be honest with you, there was, there was a part of that choice that was just selfish on my part. I just felt like I needed to be in the Psalms. I needed to hear from, I needed to hear God speak to his people in troubled times so that I could recognize the sound of that from my times. And, uh, that was, that was enormously helpful. I, there was a part of me that, that thought that a lot of this was about heightening our appreciation for community. Um, I do worry sometimes in our little subculture that our churches are very often just preaching theaters. Um, and, uh, and, and so there's a sense in which that dynamic was rattled and, and we weren't able to, to do community. And I, I feel like, I hope anyway, that my people have a fresh appreciation for how much the community piece matters. I mean, you know, again, and, and I'm speaking 
you know, don't put my bias on the table. I'm speaking as, you know, one of these reformed evangelical types who preaches long Bible heavy doctrine, heavy sermons. And I think that's, that's awesome. Um, but when we survey our people, it's a huge number. It's like when we, one of the questions we ask them is why do you come to this church? Like 96, 97, 98% of them answer for the preaching. And that's great. That's a good reason to go to church, but I, I'm wondering if we value incarnation, if we value face-to-face, if we value community, if, if we understand how in, integral that is to what, what Christianity is. And I just wonder, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Is that a piece of it? God says, I'll just take that away, you know, for however long. And then when you come back, I bet you come back hungry. I bet you come back thirsty. And so I don't know. I, and for me, that's, that's, a, that's a part of my thought process. Um, just feeling like God is maybe stirring up a, an appreciation in us for the body of Christ, not just the word of Christ. And, you know, the, that being so important still, like I'm not diminishing that in, in priority. I'm just, just elevating the other. Sort of on the same really line. Wise, Paul. Sorry, can I jump in there? Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. The other, the other thing I think it's worth thinking about, just to turn it back a little bit to pastors, is I, I think a lot of us have had um, some identity idols poked at through this as well yeah yeah so the 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 sense of you know am i doing what i'm doing because it's what i'm called to do or am i doing it because it's where i get my highs or you know where i where i find that um i'm i'm valuable in the world type of thing and so i think this is a worthy thing to think about as well is as you so somebody said this along the line i don't recall who now but you know rather than just going back to what we did before uh, yeah. Let's go back thoughtfully and prayerfully yeah. and humbly and be willing to change things radically if that is uh, closer to the mind of God. Yeah, well said. Just, uh, you know, staying with the sub- subjective a little bit, um, but I-, I think there's a sense in which pastors would love to hear from you on this. What's uh, what's the world going to look like? What's the church going to look like in October? Um, and obviously, you know, we're all in the fog here. Um, and, uh, this is one of those weird marathons where, uh, I feel, I said this to a couple of our staff members this week. I said, I feel like if I could switch metaphors, I was using the metaphor of a long river with many sets of rapids. I feel like we may have just come through the last big one, the, the reopening rush, the chaos, figuring out protocols, making sure we got hand sanitizer everywhere, figuring out how to, how to do this. And, and there may be a couple little ripples, but I, I feel like. We're, we're mostly out of it. But I also said, but I've been wrong so many times over the course of this pandemic. You know, don't, don't hold me to that. So what's the church going to look like in October? And what's the ministry context going to look like in October? Uh, talk to me about the church and the world on the other side. I just throw that one out to the panel generally. I'll, I'll go, Paul, to my, my go-to answer for every one of these things I've been on. I believe we're dealing with the coronavirus wave right now. I believe there's an economic wave coming. And then I believe there'll be the mental illness wave that comes after that. Are you giving me the four locusts metaphor? (laughs) Yeah. Because that's making me nervous. I I just, I appreciate it. But you know what? Our our government just extended that special money for another two months. That means a lot of Canadians have for six months will have just been given $2,000, $2,000. But eventually all that's got to stop. Yeah. Businesses are open or they don't. You know, economy's got to... And there's going to be a lot of this on the other side. I think that we have to navigate through lost jobs, you know, people that didn't spend that money wisely, income tax, all just a host of things. 
And I, you know, I know just recent, just this week, it was announced that the calls to the children's helpline in St. John's are up 346%. Yeah. yeah uh, our hospitals are, are filled right. with drug overdoses. And then, and and then it's, stuff, that's yeah. all going to then come out of their homes and out of their bubbles and into the streets. Um, so I think what I want to say to you in October, here's what I will say. What is most interesting and curious for me, because I don't have answers, is what will the world look like for us in the absence of a vaccine? And what happens if this vaccine appears in October, November, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, every year you go get a flu shot, you get your COVID shot, and for, for all intents and purposes, life returns to the way it was. I, I just, I, I really am struggling to figure out what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, but I do think for pastors, I, I, I will tell you, 2020 is kind of already well in the books for us. We're halfway through it. God's been very gracious. People have responded. I am really praying about what does budgeting and planning look like for 2021 and 2022 when the economic crunch really hits and you actually then discover I've used this uh, thing. People don't realize this in Wuhan province in the city. After they let everybody come out, divorce rate applications went up 76 percent Wow! Um, in that city. And I kind of wonder what will be the damage culturally yeah. coming out of this when all of this spins out into the open of yeah. the, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, the domestic abuse, all of these things. And then we find, a and I, I will tell you, look at the way the world's reacting to some of these unfortunate racial things and stuff. Just, it's a pressure cooker. I just feel like the pot just does this and the slightest little thing just blows the lid off. And I think as pastors, man, we're going to be navigating that for months. Okay. Yeah, I, right. I, agree, I agree with you, Stephen, um, on, on one front for sure, that uh, it's going to be a big pastoral care emphasis. The, yeah. the October... You know, we'll still be having to teach and preach and all of that, but I think the pastoral care load is going to go through the roof. So, you know, circling back, Paul, to your original question about how, you, what are you doing to prepare yourself and get yourself mentally and emotionally ready for things? Uh, we better, we better gear ourselves up pastorally for some sort of big rest before October and November. Where I won't agree with you, Stephen, is there will be no vaccine in October and November. It's not even feasible. The, the quickest vaccine ever has been four years. And that was uh, so that's the problem is people are actually living, thinking they're going to get this vaccine before they crawl out of their hole. And it's not happening. And that that leads me to my final concern about the October realities in the in the absence of a vaccine. I don't know that there'll be much change in the fear that people have uh, over their health. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, that's, that's going to create some real challenges for us. And I'm concerned that our online delivery is going to entrench a consumeristic approach to, to church as opposed, Paul, I, I dream and pray about your back to community and say, man, did we miss community? But I have a greater concern that, uh, hey, we're, do we're, we're doing breakfast in bed service now. Uh, and it's, it's yep. sweet. It's good. Low commitment, low involvement, low service, perfect delivery. Um, I don't need anything else. And yeah. so here we have big pastoral carriage urgencies and minimal service commitment back to uh, helping us take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Clint. 
Uh, I made some predictions back in March what would be happening in April. They were wrong. I made some predictions the end of April about June. They were wrong. I refuse to make predictions about anything anymore. Yeah, but that's the that's the, the, the good news is that we've all been wrong many times. And so there's great humility now. Even a fool when he remains silent appears wise. <laughs> all right, so Paul's, Paul's passing. There'll be no October. That's what I'm writing down as Paul Martin's prediction. Clint, how about yourself, bro? What's the going to look like? What's the church I, I, October... I think we've got to be ready for the long haul on this um, as much as like here in Alberta. Now a cap is lifted. Uh, will they let us meet together without social distancing and will people want to, yeah. I think it's going to be a long time. Like I more have in mind thinking about Christmas. Um, and so then the exhaustion that the pastors are all feeling like Rick, what you really hit it. Like, the exhaustion that pastors and staff are feeling now and the, and the people are feeling, the people are tired out. And then we've got to now enter into this new phase. That's going to be another marathon. I think it's going to be really difficult. Rick, you also said it, the consumerism I'm very concerned about. I think we've had people being taught how to be mercenaries and you know, why listen to me when you can listen to any of you guys, you're, you know, there's all these awesome guys out there. Why, why tune in to the, the pastor of your church? You get, you get fed from someone else. And so I saw a horrifying thing online. And this is why you, I don't know whether Facebook has been helpful or hurtful during this, but probably both. I, when you see people say things like we need to figure out different ways of doing church, we can listen to sermons at the beach people. Let's not rush back into. I saw that in my, I just thought you, you Wow, we've got a lot of work to do. If if you think listening to John Piper sermon in the park is church, what? Wow, I I don't even I, I don't know if we just give each other an F. Obviously, we've not been doing our job. Well, that's just it, Paul. Is that then? Then we're seeing. I think I I've noticed we've seen how fragile our churches are when maybe we thought they were pillars of strength. Now, thankfully, the Lord knows His own. And the Lord is going to preserve his own. But I think we've seen that fragility. And I think the churches that were healthier going in are, are going to sustain well coming out. But the churches that had quirks and different unhealthy things going in, I really am concerned for them coming out the other side. And I'm really burdened for those pastors who are, who are trying to manage and, and speak into that. So that when you say October, I think... We're going to be in this for a while, but I'm I'm quite concerned about just what's going to happen as a result of this pruning and what's going to be left. Hmm. Well, I had two questions in my mind now. Uh, you guys were a little more pessimistic than I anticipated, uh, so I'll put both. I spoke about revival earlier. <laughs> I'll put yeah, both. Yeah, and I didn't give out. an opinion, so that's not pessimistic. <laughs> well, I don't know. I have another thought about what. Yeah, well, that you was. don't give an opinion. That is pessimistic. <laughs> But so here are my two questions. So one of them was, I was going to say, you know, what advice would you give uh, to a younger pastor, right? Because that's, I mean, that part of it was just the thought of let's just bless each other. Let's talk. I mean, I've been helped by my conversations. Let's share, share that. I mean, not everybody gets to call up Paul Martin on a Saturday morning, right? Let's just share, share this with, with other folks. So, uh, so what advice would you give to a younger pastor out there uh, in terms of managing the next phase of this pandemic? Uh, the next phase of this pastoral challenge, if you'd rather phrase it that way. That's one question. And uh, 
And then the other question is, is how do we make the most of the unsettledness in the culture from an evangelistic perspective? Like, I think it was Clint that was saying, uh, or no, maybe it was Stephen talking about people are thinking about death. Uh, there's, there's a commercial that, that used to play all the time here in Ontario on uh, Fan 590 for uh, a, an insurance company that says, you know, the average Canadian spends less than five minutes a year thinking about death, and those five minutes likely happen at the funeral of a loved one. And then they make the pitch for for insurance. Uh, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. But I can tell you, everyone I know is thinking about frailty, uh, about sickness, about death, about the lack of control we have over our own lives. That's got to be good for the gospel, right? Like, that's got to be manure in the soil. That's got to say something about a, a big harvest coming, doesn't it? So... Those are the two questions. Uh, hit hit them in any order you like, but I'd love to, I'd love for our listeners to hear from you guys on that. I'm well, thinking about what uh, Paul wrote or said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 about you know all these trials happened to me uh, through the plots of the Jews, um, but I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching uh, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both Jews and Greeks with repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And if I was talking to a young pastor, I would simply advise, go slow, go steady, keep the main thing the main thing, make the gospel as clear as you possibly can, week by week, call sinners to repentance, look for ways to, um, you know, get into people's lives, whether that's getting in their home through a Zoom call, or whether we're allowed to actually start getting back there. That was one of the first things that happened to us is I, I was rebuked in the first month and a half of the pandemic because I had spent so much time with my members and realized I could be doing this more. I could be doing this like regularly. I don't have to wait for a pandemic. So uh, I think th those would be the big things I would want to say. Hmm. That's great, Paul. Thanks. My only advice to, uh, in light of what Rick said and others, is uh, as you're transitioning, whatever it might look like right now, we need to be sure that we we tell our folks on a regular basis, as long as we're on this medium, this is not normal church. Yes. I yeah, think well we need to be a broken record. Like we are thankful we are using this medium, but this is not normal church. And a wise friend that I have said, don't make the exception to the rule, the rule. And, and so I think we need to, I would tell any young pastor, make sure they hear you say that regularly. Um, in regards to the second part of what you were saying, Paul, I just think it's uh, important for us to just, as Paul just said, stay focused. I will tell you, in light of the idea of death, I have never been to a restaurant, a grocery store, Costco, an airport, a bus stop, where people don't want to talk about life and death. And I have had an easier time to share the gospel yeah. in the last four months than I have ever had. And they are fascinated by the fact that you believe you have answers from Christ. Um, and it has been a joyous, I really, Saturday's my honey-do list with my wife and she gets upset because I'm always in the conversation with someone and they are desperate to talk. And they want to know about Jesus and what I think the end is going to look like and all that kind of stuff. And it's just been a joy to get out in the world and talk about Christ. It's good. It's good. 
I'd echo these guys. I, I just say that for the young pastor, uh, really seek to simplify. Mm-hmm. Simplify so that things like we've been talking about, your prayer life, your commitment to the word, preaching the word, and not letting your cares become inflated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a limited flock. Care for those people and, and you know, continue to disciple as you have opportunity, bear witness to the gospel, but simplify. Don't, don't think that you've got to have every, all the technology figured out or all the latest strategies or somehow be able to predict the future. Just, just fa- be faithful in the simplicity, even if it means pulling back a little bit and doing a few more simple things. And then I think evangelistically in terms of our testimony, I think we really want to start encouraging our people as they have more chance to get out. Just to encourage them just to be a Christian and talk about being a Christian and talk about Jesus and talk about the gospel and just let it come out and just be more vocal and open. Because as you guys have pointed out, people, people are, are, have probably uh, are more open to hearing about spiritual things, life and death than they've been in a long, long time. So we just want to really be pressing our people that way, encouraging them that they've, they've got the gospel. They've, they've got all they need. They don't need a program. Rick, do you want to have the last word on this? Well, I would, sure, Paul. I would, uh, I would, would tell a young pastor it's never been more important than for you to pour yourself into First Peter five two, and recognize that you are to be a shepherd of God's flock that is under your care, the one that God has entrusted to you. So while there's this grand uh, uh, menu of great preachers and teachers out there. Um, God will be faithful and has given you a flock to be under your care. And you're the best person for that group of people. You are their shepherd and, and be convinced of that because God is, has given you that. And, uh, that, that to me would be the, the most important. And, and that, I agree with Paul Martin and, and the other guys that, um, be with the people, pastoral care, shepherd, 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 critical right now. Well said. I, hopefully that was that was useful. I have once again enjoyed talking to you. This has been helpful for me, and and I hope it's been helpful for those who are listening in. Brother Paul Martin, could uh, could I get you to pray for us? Uh, I'm I'm not uh, too proud to say, brother, I need your prayers, uh, and I, I bet you my friends here need your prayers. And I'm imagining that every pastor listening in uh, would would well receive your prayers as well. So so pray for us and and pray for our our colleagues in ministry. Um, these are difficult times, and, and we need the Lord's help uh, to, be, to be useful to our people and to bring honor to the Savior. So if you could pray towards that end, I, I'd sure appreciate that. be happy to, brother. So, Lord, it is a delight to come to you, the uh, chief shepherd, as your under-shepherds. Uh, we stand alongside men like Peter, who uh, Rick just quoted who was a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a witness of uh, the glory of Christ. And yet he would look to other shepherds like us and say, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Lord, help us to be faithful to do this very thing. To shepherd the flock of God that is amongst us, that is our lot. Help us to exercise that oversight, not under compulsion, not to try and prove ourselves or earn ourselves, earn our salvation or our justification. Help us, Lord, to do so willingly, as you would have us, uh, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, 
uh, not domineering as a way to control people, but rather uh, being an example to the flock. And we trust that when our chief shepherd appears, we'll receive the unfading crown of glory. So use this time, Lord, to humble us, to bring us low, uh, to remind us that we are very needy. We're needy Christians. We're needy men. We're needy pastors. We have needy churches. Uh, we don't have what we need in and of ourselves, but you do. You are the all-sufficient source of good and grace and mercy and power. And so there is every reason in the world for us to turn to you and to depend upon you. So, Lord, work in our churches, uh, our five churches represented here. Work in all the churches that are preaching Jesus in our whole country. Work in churches that have not been preaching Jesus and shake them into preaching Jesus again. And we pray that as Christ's name is exalted, sinners would come to repentance and belief on him, and that you would continue to reap the harvest just as you promised. We pray all of this in the name of our great Savior. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, friends. I, uh, I so appreciate you joining me, and uh, I'm sure that all those who listened in uh, benefited from, from your wisdom and just, just from sharing your heart a little bit as well. We just sometimes need to know that uh, we're in this together. So I appreciate you. Thanks for joining me, and uh, our friends out there listening uh, appreciate you as well, and we just want to wish you all the best and assure you of our prayers moving forward. So good night, everyone. God bless, and God willing, we will see you again soon. Go in peace. Oh,